Hey guys, before we start the show, let me just take a quick second and say thank you for everything that you've done so far. We have done so much more than I thought we were going to do in 2020. Uh, let's be honest, it was kind of a shit show. So we were sporadic. Our episodes were not very consistent. There's a lot of things that we need to work on, and we're well aware of that. So we're going to be fixing that in 2021, starting off the year, weekly episodes. More YouTube videos, more podcasts, um, more members of the Kirkland Media team. We just have so much coming. And the fact that anyone is still around listening to what we have to say is really encouraging to me. This podcast is something I'm super passionate about. Um, after losing my dad back in March, it's given me a way to gain a lot of wisdom from different people from a bunch of different industries and that's been really really cool so this week's episode we have a new friend of mine Bert Soren Bert is a super great guy and I can't wait for you guys to learn a little bit more about him and what he's passionate about so without further ado here's Bert well hey guys welcome back to the goodbye principle um you here with me today is Bert Soren the co-owner and president of Soren X Fitness Equipment he's a uh, he's a good husband a father um a hunter as well. We'll get into that a little bit. But uh, Birdman, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Creed, for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for uh, saying I'm a good husband and a father. I, um, I don't know if that is always 100% accurate, but I try. <laughs> that's all. That's what's important. So why don't you go ahead and get in a little bit just who you are kind of for the general public, because I'm sure people have heard your name before. Yeah. So uh, Sornex Exercise Equipment is the company that I run. Uh, my father and I own it. Um, he started 40 years ago in our, in our carport, kind of garage type thing. Uh, family owned business. Uh, kind of a, an American tale of, of entrepreneurial and, and kind of innovation. So it's, it's very um, neat to be involved in that and, and trying to carry the torch for my dad. Um, we've been in the strength world, the human performance space, like I said, for 40 years, innovated a lot of the things that you, most gyms you probably see, whether it be a landmine or the, the rig system or the four hole design and racks. And so a lot of that type of thing came from us. So I feel good that we were able to put our fingerprint, uh, positive fingerprint on the world of strength. Um, but that's it's what we do day in and day out, but we also try to take it a little bit further and, and kind of transcend into the, bring the human performance mindset and, and, and parts and pieces into the regular world, not just be stuck in the gym. So mm -hmm. that's what we do day in and day out and kind of where our heart is. And um, you're right, I'm a father of three. Uh, I've been married to my wife, Leslie, for 10 years. I'm pretty active in the outdoors and uh, still get a chance to lift some weight. So it's kind of, kind of my deal. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things that sticks out to me the most is, um, you know, I've seen you work with, you did some, uh, stuff, some work for Joe Rogan. You put his gym in Yes. guys like Cameron Haynes, your good friends with Zach Brown. I mean, you're, you're all over the place in so many different industries, which is really cool. I think it speaks a lot to not just, you know, working on your, your physical aspect, but as well as just trying to build good solid men across all different kinds of platforms and things like that. So can you touch on a little bit how, social media and things like that have impacted not just your business, but like building relationships with people from different industries? Oh, sure. I mean, social media is, is a double-edged sword, right? In some ways it's been one of the biggest, probably the, the, the biggest uh, game changer in our business because we were, a lot of people used to say, wow, you guys are the best kept secret in, in, in the strength world. Well, 
with social media, if you start getting good at it, you hopefully the goal is to not be a best kept secret anymore. Sure. So utilizing the, the literal web um, of everyone who's connected uh, to navigate that and to uh, vet different people and bring people into the fold or being brought into their fold and their circle of influence. So you can really kind of choose and orchestrate your social, your social connections. Um, it is, I hate to say a full-time job, but it, it, but it is very intentional and something that we look into because that is a very optimal way of building the business. Sure. Now, the second part of it is um, it somewhat creates a falsehood of, I'm going to say a falsehood, but it, it, it changes your life in some ways for the negative because there's potentially always a camera there. And it's, I would see it like uh, a lion in the wild versus a lion in a cage or, or at the zoo, although, or maybe in a, in a game preserve. Um, although everything kind of still works like it normally does in the, in, in the full wild, even if the game preserve is 10,000 acres, there's still variables that have been changed. Sure. So when you kind of take that step to wanting to be active in the social media world, you give away some freedoms, you give away some, uh, and it's just freedom of like, for instance, on a hunt or a lift or something I want to do it, it honestly, you kind of go, okay, is this something I'm doing right now? Because I want to do it, which is generally, I don't do a whole lot of things I don't want to do unless it's things I have to do for work or my family. But, I, I'm wanting to do this right now, but now I know there's a value add if I capture the content and put it out effectively and there's a value potentially monetarily, but there could be a social value. There could be a, a, a constructs that, uh, that entity that um, inspires or educates other people, which is valuable. And so th this is a currency and am I going to choose to now share every bit of my life and some things that are, used to just be for me or my family or my close friends or the people who were there. Now I have to choose whether I'm going to in some ways monetize it or some ways publicize it because it does have a positive effect on target. But also after a while, it's like I've lived my, you feel like you live your whole life in front of a camera yeah. and, and then you lose some of the essence of who you are because sometimes I just want to go hunt for me. Sometimes I just want to go lift weights and let's just lift weights or be with my, you know, all of those things. And um, so I think there's like a lifespan to what happens as, as you grow in social media world. Um, you know, a guy like Cameron Haynes, like he does it probably better than most, you know, of course he does it better than most. He has a million followers, but um, it, it, he, he sees it as a job. I mean, he enjoys it. He does. My too. I've, I've met tons of people that are great people that have become friends and really a lot of that connection was through social media. So that's the high side of it. The sure. downside of it is <clears throat> always the feeling how you have to be connected and you have to go check it and you have, because it becomes a job mm -hmm. and um, that's a slippery slope. So I would, you know, it's not all roses. I would, I would tell people before they really get involved in that style of business or that method, um, to know what that brings. It's kind of like uh, you, you see a, a real estate agent, you know, one of their jobs is to be out around the town and networking with everyone and knowing everybody because they want to buy or sell your house. At some point, those guys probably want to go out for a 
barbecue sandwich or a beer and don't want to have to be working. Right. But what, what, you know, how they put food on their table is because they're out doing that. And so you kind of, as you build a personal brand or push your company brand, you get into a weird gray spot where everything is work and everything is not work. You know, it's a very weird gray area. It used to be, you know, 20 years ago, guys would clock in at 8 a.m., let's just say, and work till 5 o'clock. And when they get off of work, they're off of work. But if you're building a brand, I, I tell people, they say, well, how, how's your day go? I said, it goes every way possible. And if I'm awake, I'm working. Mm -hmm. Sucks. Sometimes it does. Because how do you break off time for yourself or your own mental health, your emotional health or your people or whatever? But then the other side of it is, is I realized some of my value is my abilities to give to that community of people. Um, kind of like having a big family, you know, you decided to have a big family, you have a big family, but the big family needs things. And so it's, um, I think people need to understand what they're getting into. If they want to blow up on social media or utilize social media effectively, <clears throat> there's a cost associated with it. And, and I would say that make sure that what you're getting out of it outweighs the, the other stuff. And if you're not trying to build a brand, I would almost say stay off of it as much as possible because then it could just be like watching, you know, freaking daytime TV. Yeah. And, and it push you into a place mentally that you're trying to keep up with people that you don't know the full context of their life and you know trying to live like it's the total trying to keep up with the joneses unfortunately the joneses are through a screen and they could highlight every highlight reel everything with filters and all this other stuff and you can see your life is well my life sucks because i don't have what x y and z has and then the the, the sad part of that sentence is neither do they yeah well, long-winded answer for your question no that's perfect man i i love to hear it yeah i um you know, I think it's kind of interesting to hear you talk about that because on two separate podcasts that you've been on, uh, Free Range American and The Order of Man, I listened to those. Oh, cool. And these things kind of tie into one another. Um, you know, in, in Free Range American, you talked about people who have kind of that F the world mindset and I don't care what anybody else thinks and, you know, whatever. Um, and you said, you said it comes from an immature mind and these people are going to work themselves into irrelevance. And I really liked how you said that. Um, <laughs> you kind of took a big shot. And, yeah, I, was, I was on one that day. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think it's interesting because you have guys like, you know, um, for example, Gary Vaynerchuk, who's out there all the time and always promoting, like, you should say, screw what people think. Like, you don't need to appreciate this and you don't need to listen to what they say. And so how has that been different for you? Because y'all both have very different outlooks on this and are both wildly successful. Uh, so how has that worked for you? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm as successful as, as he is. Maybe I am in other instances. Um, he's maybe I should be listening to him. He has, he has a different way that, that he's gone about it. And, and I think everything has to be in context, right? And, and a, one of my mentors, um, who's our C, COO, he, he met with some bankers one time and he was telling me the story and I loved it. He, he, cause everyone has just different perspe perspectives. So he'd had a, a glass of water and he put it on the, uh, the table and all the bankers were looking at it. And they, and so he brought them all in. They asked, asked him to come in as like a consumer kind of, basis dude so he said okay guys is this half full or half empty 
And then, is, you know, is this being filled up or being drained out? And then, of course, everyone had whatever answer they were going to have, half full, half empty. And everyone thinks it's like a pessimist, optimist kind of thing. He's like, you're all wrong. You have no damn context. You have no context to any of it. So all you're seeing is a snapshot. So if you don't know the trend of what's occurring, you only see a snapshot. And that's what people have to understand about social media or about success or about whatever. You don't know in context. And so success can be financial, it can be emotional, it can be spiritual, it can be relational, it can be social, it can be physical, all of those things. So to say that I am successful, maybe to the outside world, I might look success, successful in certain silos of, of metrics, or Gary Vee may as well, whatever. But I would say you have to drill in further and look at all of the, the, the parts and pieces of that for you to make your own decision because maybe success to some people would be having a million dollars in the bank maybe success to other people would be making sure there's food on the table but having a thousand friends those are two different two different uh qualifiers and they have to be put into context so i i think first of all that has to be put into perspective also the words like uh, gary v saying well don't give a shit about what anyone says okay I get you. Um, I've been there. I've done that as well. Um, in certain contexts, that's the right answer. Sure. But I guarantee he didn't become a multi multi-millionaire by not paying attention to what the consumer base wanted and needed <laughs> or those around him. Like it's a sexy thing to say in reality the customer or whoever's giving you money or trading you for your goods and services, those are the ones that you better care about what they think, or they'll just say, you're a crazy person saying a bunch of stuff. So that's where I just say in context, people have to not just take a sound bite and then try to blanket apply that to whatever question they have of the day, because in that respect, every sentence is right. And every sentence is wrong, depending on what you plant it on top of. So, Gary V and I seem to have a different perspective on things, but it might just be how things are pulled in or out of context. Maybe we're exactly the same. I don't know. I'd love to have a conversation with him and understand his perspective of why he says certain things, but I know you don't build a business by not caring. That really doesn't, you know, not caring what people think is not how you build a business that I've seen. Maybe other people have done it and have just said, screw the world. I'm going to do whatever I want. But at some point, your business doesn't grow without customers, right? So maybe it's maybe the establishment of how other people have done things. And in that regard, I agree because we've changed the strength industry and I didn't care what my competitors were doing for the most part. I didn't care. And I say, I meaning my company, the father and I, we, we did what we thought the, the customer base and the industry needed and in many cases, the industry did not even understand, believe, or agree with that initially. But then we had the upward climb to run the experiment and say, I think that this would really be awesome for you guys. And then we had to sell it, get the early adopters and everything like that. But the bottom line is there's sometimes we've tried it. We were fully sold on something and it just didn't work. Yeah. Were we ahead of the curve too far or we were, were we just purely wrong? And we could have been, we probably were in many cases. And so that's where you, you have to, I agree with Gary saying, 
you have to believe in what you believe and go after it because that's how disruptive technology is created and, and mavens are out there like really changing the game. But in some respect, you have to have uh, optics on what your customer bases is saying because you could be the guy dancing in the rain all day long to try to get people behind you. But a year from now, you better not still be sitting out in the parking lot by yourself because you're just going to die hyperthermia versus like, hey, you know, no one's following me. So the first followers are really the important part to get on board. I know it's kind of jumping around a lot. But. Yeah, no, that's, that's perfect. Um, <clears throat> it really ties into my next question because specifically on the Order of Man podcast, um, you talked about, um, you know, kind of, you know who you are um, and, uh, you know, y'all talk back and forth and saying, you know, he's, you're not just the owner of Sorenex, you're not just a hunter, you're not just a fitness guy, but um, you said you need to know who you are really. And so I think that also ties back into what you were saying with the context of your success. Um, from the outside, it might look like you're doing great in these areas, but on the, you know, when you get down to the reality of it, you might be really struggling in X, Y, and Z. Um, yep. And so what, what advice would you give to people who are just trying to figure out who they are, not putting labels on them, but really finding out who they are as a person? That's a great question. I think being honest with yourself and even create, I'm a big list guy even creating um, some sort of metrics where you could, you know, it might be as simple as a piece of paper. These are the things I'm great at. These are the things I suck at. These are the things I think I am okay at. And then audit those things because maybe your ego tells you that you're great at something. Um, but when you really get down to it and look in the mirror and put an, a, a metric behind it, maybe, compared to whatever maybe you're like eh, maybe i'm just okay at that maybe my passion tells me i want to be great at that and i'm good at that but am i really great at that or hey i want to be a great dad well i got super pissed off at my kids yesterday i did and i'm going is that being a great dad or is that just being a person mm -hmm. well maybe those two intersect but I'm not happy about how I handled a situation yesterday right after breakfast, trying to get the kids in to, to, uh, into the car. And I go, okay, I have to audit that and say, I'm not dad of the year. Maybe that was a great way to handle that, that deal. Or maybe I said, okay, I need to change this, this, and this, but I don't think most people aren't able or is too uncomfortable to really turn the mirror on themselves. And I'm, I'm a person. So that also applies to myself. And so uh, something I read long ago, and you've heard it, it's been paraphrased, like don't read your own, um, your own media kind of thing. And I remember back in shoot, 1998, 99, when I was in college, I was coming into the, the NCAA national championships in track and field. And I was kind of like one of the underdog guys coming in and I'd had a wonderfully far giant PR during the SEC championships. And they kind of put me into contention of kind of from being like one of those, Hey, this guy will get, you know, third, fourth or fifth at NCAAs. And I made the mistake of reading what Trackwire said that week. And they're like coming into NCAAs, you know, after Soren's monster throw the SEC championships, uh, when the dust settles, we could very easily see him standing on the top of the podium. And I remember reading that. And it was the first time that like someone was like, Hey, you're kind of expected. I read that as you're, you're counting me in to like be the guy. And that changed my war plan 
because I wasn't used to being the guy. Mm. And it's happened a time and time again. And I, I and I remember now, like, don't don't read your don't read your own media. Don't read what they say about you. Don't read your highlights because you're never as good as they say, and you're never as bad as they say. So to be able to look at your own perspective of where you are and to not listen to what everyone tells you because your head could get blown up. Guys are like, oh, you get Sornex is killing it. No, blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I'm the guy. And you're like, hold on. You know, um, I mean, I had an experience in Missouri this year, bow hunting and I'll share it. I'm going to make a post about it, but I'll, I was going to share. I've been thinking about it a lot. So if you follow me, you know that I hunt a good bit. Um, and I, I, hunt probably more with a rifle because of time that I have, but I practice more with a bow. I enjoy the bow more, but only certain circumstances and places you are that make a bow more optimal. So my big hunt in Missouri every year, giant deer, close quarters. This is kind of like one of those, you know, you're going to get a shot at a, at a big deer with a bow most likely. And, um, and I finally you know, I passed up deer all day and all a couple days. I finally got a, a good shot at a deer, a little bit further than normal, but where I, where I practiced to. And I whiffed. I missed. No reason why I missed. I just missed. It's just, it's just it. You know, um, and I was pissed. And I was embarrassed. And I was frustrated. And, you know, I called my wife and, and she was like, how'd the gay day? I was like, I missed a big 10. She was like, how far? I was like 60 yards. She was like, well, that's pretty far. Right? And I was like, yeah, but I practiced up to a hundred pretty often. I have a, I have a range where I shoot up to 80 constantly. 60 is my average shot. That Like I, I've done the skill work that I, that that was not a irresponsible shot. And I told her, I said, well, I kind of joked to her. I was like, well, Dudley or Cam wouldn't have missed that shot. And she's like, but that's all they do. And I was like, that's not all they do. They're, they're better at it than me. And then I had to come to the realization. I said, although I'm friends with those guys, maybe some people even put me in the same stable as those dudes. I'm not those dudes. I'm not that good. I'm not as good as those guys are. And I have to look myself in the face and go, although I might love it as much as they do, I might have done it for nearly as long. I might know all the same people, run all the same bows and do all the same stuff. Some people just are better. Mm. And I had to go, I'm not as good as I need to be. No matter how bad I want it, no matter how much I train, no matter how what, I still have failed. And I have to open, I have to look at myself openly and say, Bert, you put all this pressure, all this other stuff, you thought you were going to do it and you didn't. There's no one to blame but yourself. You should have trained harder. You should have prepared more. And just because all of the things on paper line up to say that you're going to be successful, sometimes it just doesn't work. And I think that's what a lot of people have to understand is sometimes you're just not freaking good enough yet. Mm. You're just not. No matter how much you love it, no matter how much you pray for it, no matter how much passion you have for it, that doesn't always equal success. Mm. And that I think was a big learning curve for me. And, you know, I'm up in my cave, you probably see on Instagram, I have like deer heads and all the crap or whatever. But I've been thinking, I was like, I have a muddy arrow that flew wide, wide left that I'm going to put up on the wall. Mm. And it's going to be an anti-trophy of like, you thought you were ready and you weren't. You thought that you trained hard enough and you didn't. And I've kept every tag that I've eaten for the last five years. I've kept them. 
I keep them in a Ziploc bag and I'm going to mount those on the cave wall because in my opinion, those are more important than my successes. Big set of antlers or whatever like that. Okay. Things worked out. But what about the two mule deer tags I ate in Arizona? What about the one I ate in, in Wyoming? What about the bear tag? You know, I ate here and you go, those are all efforts that I'd made that, you know, okay. Yeah. I passed up this one. I could have killed that one or whatever. It's like, but you didn't, but you didn't. If the goal was to do this, it did, you didn't do it. And that's where I have to remain humble and realize I've had a lot of successes. I've had a lot of successes in a lot of things. That's great. But I don't want to focus on those. I want to focus on the times that it didn't work because that's much more applicable to my growth as a person and the humility if I focus on those things versus, hey, look, I have X number of giant racks on the wall and those are all highlights, highlight reel of my hunting career. You know, I want to try to, my goal is now to focus my highlight, my focus to the muddy, not bloody arrows and the unnotched tags because that's how I grow. I don't grow by telling someone how good I am. So that's where I think someone, you have to take a realistic inventory you know, if this if financial things are your deal, hey, here's what my finances look like. Don't don't sugarcoat it. Either you're in a decent position, you're in a great position, or you're in a crappy position. If you're in a crappy position, fine. At least you know. Mm. And then you go, now, what are my skill sets? How can I get out of this crappy position? Mm. And then you start building a plan for it. But I think too many people, they live on credit, they live on what they think they try to fake it till you make i think the fake it till you make it's complete horse crap um you can't really get anywhere if you're just playing house pretending right and uh, and and there's been times in my life that through a super positive mindset i've almost unintentionally faked it till i made it you're like i want to see myself in the winner circle of that until you really do the math and you go but i wasn't mm. i didn't like I trained for two Olympic trials and I threw and I did all this stuff and everything else. And, but I didn't make it to the Olympics. I wanted it. Did I want it as bad as the guy who made it? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe I'm just not talented enough. Maybe God didn't like me enough when he made my genetics that gave me the capacity to do it. That happens. Some people were just meant to do that thing. Usain Bolt was just meant to run fast. Yeah. You know, other people train their ass off to the point where, do I feel like I trained my ass off? Yes. Do I feel like I was genetically gifted? Yes. It didn't work. Well, does that mean I'm a shitty competitor? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. But you have to start looking at those things openly and go, you're not your highlight reel and you're not your worst day. You're somewhere in between and be realistic about it. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, You know, with all that being said, there's a lot of, I feel like it's easy to get caught up in you know, kind of like you said, it's easy to get caught up in the success um, of whatever you're doing, whether it's whether it's hunting, or whether it's fitness or whether it's, um, <clears throat> you know, track and field, whatever it is, it can be right. easy to um, to gas yourself up. Um, but it's also, it's also great to hear you talk about how you have to be realistic with yourself. But do you think that there's a certain level of, for lack of a better term, arrogance or maybe narcissism that you have to have to be overly successful than not normal people, but the average person. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's the weird, that's the weird thing, right? Because generally the people who are wildly successful have a, have a delusion to them 
where they believe that they will just be successful. Yeah. Uh, and, and that, you kind of, that could be an arrogance. That could be a, you like to say confidence, but I think it goes further than that because sometimes it's baseless. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I know I have that. I know I have a, a I hate to say narcissist, narcissistic tendency, but you know, I, again, this sounds weird. I believe I'm the, I'm the main character in my movie mm-hmm. and my movie is my life. And I know I, and that is not to downgrade anyone else's life, but I know I have the most control over my life than anyone else does. So why will I give someone else the main character role in my movie? Sure. You have the main character role in your movie. You need to be concerned about, I hate to say number one, like you can't be really super effective in life unless you are considering number one, because that's the one thing you could change. You could change your mindset. You could change your, how you think, how you deal with things. Like until you're really in control of that, all the other stuff is, is pie in the sky. And to go back to that kind of thought process, I have worked a lot. I'm trying to say worked a lot. I've succeeded a lot. I hate to say on two things. One is a chip on my shoulder because early on I was not successful. I was not picked first. I was not like those things. And that happens long enough and you develop a, kind of, I'm going to freaking show you mindset, which looking into it, I would say most people that are successful have that mm. because it's like, if you haven't squat, if you don't put big weight on your back, how are you going to be strong? Yeah. Like there has to be a stimulus that makes you want to fight harder than the next guy. Yeah. And sometimes that stimulus is that you got your ass beat yeah. for a long time, or you didn't get picked first, or you didn't whatever, or you got picked last, or you got made fun of, or you got bullied, or you got all those things you know, if you got through it, that gives you an opportunity. So some people say, well, I had a shitty childhood. Okay, here's the thing. You know, again, I wasn't a Navy SEAL or in the military whatsoever, but I know a lot of SEALs and, and talking to some of the high up brass there. So what is the common, the common, you know, currency that, that most guys make it, how they make it through buds? This is the best swimmers, the best guy that can do push-ups, endurance athletes, strength athletes, what is it? Tall, short, whatever. Because strangely enough, it feels like anyone who's made it through buds are generally someone who had something traumatic happen to them in early in life and they made it through it. Mm. And so I look at that and go, the positive side of me says, wow, so tragedy just became your superpower if you could get through it. So that's where I look at it and go, awesome. Something crappy happened to you when you were 10. I hate it for you. But if you're still here and you're mentally, spiritually, physically through it, you're stronger than the guy probably to the right and the left of you because you've had the big weight on you. Yeah. Next step is freaking act like it. Know that you have a superpower. Know that you have additional strength. Know that you have durability through those things and go do something extraordinary with it. And that's like, I think something that I've been able to do, but then also the other side of it, I have a pretty positive mindset my wife kind of laughs she calls it my delusionment um you know it's kind of another little story so i killed a really big deer a few years back and it was you know as a deer hunter as a hunter life is done in his whole life like that's your your dream right you like my dream that when i was 10 years old sitting in a tree was like one day something's gonna walk out and you're like 
kind of like kids like dream of like draining the buzzer beater, you know, and the and game six kind of deal, right? My dream was always, I'm going to see an animal sometime that's going to be so far above my capacity of ability to understand and comprehend, and I'm going to make the perfect shot, and I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, close close the the gap on my fantasy of hunting. Four years ago, it happened, and it was just it was amazing. I'm not going to bore you with the story, but it was it was really cool, and it was one of those like, whoa, I did the thing that I've been wanting to do since I was a little kid. And someone told me, they're like, hey, do you understand that killing a whitetail that big is like, and they sent me an article. And it was like, you're more likely to pitch a, non, you know, a, a, a no hit game in game seven of the you know, World Series than to replicate that. Day. It was like, you're 65 more times more likely to get hit by lightning than kill. Like, it was like, oh, this just crazy metrics on sure. the thing that had happened to me. I don't like to say what I accomplished because sometimes it just happens, right? And I told that to my wife and she's laughing and it kind of was a pause. And she was like, you think it's going to happen again, don't you? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And she was like, I love your delusion, man. And I was like, I have to believe that because that's just going to keep me driving harder and harder because now I know it's possible. Yeah, sure. I know it's possible because the fantasy, once it goes from the category of it, it's a, it's a dream that it might happen to it's possible. Well, now you, I have a bit of a roadmap and now it's like, Oh man, I'm going to drive it. And people are like, Oh, that deer is going to ruin you. You never want to hunt again. I was like, no, I want to hunt 10 times harder now. Cause I know that a super bowl ring is possible. Mm. And so I think part of that is, is that a narcissism delusionment? Yeah, probably all of that. <laughs> but I look and I see a guy like cam or a guy like whatever. And it's just like, those dudes are so driven. And cam will tell you, he's like, he had a terrible childhood you know, a lot of bad things happened to him. And, and he was, his mindset is I'm just going to work harder than everyone around me. So you can't beat me. Yeah. He's, he's right. <laughs> you know, he's right. <laughs> had he had an, you know, had he an easy childhood and all these things that if he grew up with money, grew up doing this, all the other stuff that he would have been easy, he wouldn't have been as tough and as hard and as driven as he is. And then you look at it and you go, okay, again, I don't want to call another man narcissistic or whatever. Like, I don't know what's in his heart, but if those are terms that you're using and go, if he has characteristics like that, wow, he's been able to inspire millions of people to do better for themselves. And he's taken something that was for him and made it for all of us. And that's where I think that's kind of the bill you pay for, you know, if you're going to live that way, put back into the system and at least give, give the world something positive and in, in return. Yeah. Yeah, man. I would, uh, <clears throat> all of you guys, I mean, just hearing, hearing these names, like I see something common in all of you and it's kind of crazy. Like y'all are going to, y'all are going to be to a certain level insane. I mean, <laughs> you guys are freaks, man. Y'all, y'all work so hard and, and it's really inspiring, you know, to see. And, um, man, I would love to have you and, and Cam on maybe one day, uh, just to talk and, and hear you guys feed off of each other would be amazing. Um, and, uh, obviously we could go on for, for another hours, but I want to wrap up the show with the one signature question. Um, as we, uh, as we sign off here and, and say goodbye to the listeners, Bert, what is one foundational principle that you live by, um, that you can, you think creates a lasting legacy that you would be proud of? 
be relevant be relevant and that that becomes a driver is in relevancy is are you noticed when you're not in the room and does that mean you've made a positive impact on someone's life or people's life enough whether it's your family your friends your whoever is in your blast radius socially if you didn't show up to the christmas party they'd notice if you didn't show up to the cookout they'd notice if you walk in the room they'd notice and i associate that with value and i don't mean that like showing out or whatever but be be a positive enough influence on people's life that you're relevant to them and in my family like i try to remain relevant of course i'm relevant because i'm the breadwinner or whatever but that's one of the things right and, you know the worst thing i could think about would be being a deadbeat but not just a deadbeat deb but just a deadbeat in general because mm -hmm. in my opinion You've, you've switched at that point, you've switched from being positively relevant to negatively relevant. Now you're bringing sorrow and strain on others versus bringing a positive effect. So I think when people could really drive towards being positively relevant in others' lives, that generally brings happiness um, to the person. Like you hear people say, well, I just don't, I don't have a purpose or I don't know what I'm going to do with my life or I'm lonely or all those things. Generally, those are all a product of being or feeling irrelevant. And, you know, the bottom line is, you know, all men have the question, am I good enough? That's why we do sports. That's why we do wars. That's why we, we, ha we measure things. That's why everything, everyone, sure. I hate to say it, it's a competitive world. Sure. We want to know, am I good enough? Why, why do we lift a weight to get stronger? Why? So we could go do something that's harder and to test, are we good enough? It's in our DNA. Females generally want to know, do you see me? Do I matter? Do I, am I, but both of it boils down to, am I relevant? Yeah. So if people could understand that they need that relevancy and go after it in positive methods, not provocatively or whatever because you see that happen too right people do they go on whether it's social media or whatever take all these crazy and all it is is to to pump their ego whether they're relevant or not yeah. but unfortunately if they go after in the wrong method they become relevant they feel it's positive but they're actually becoming negatively relevant because they're they're changing their own image and their own value and they're 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 changing their value proposition to something they probably don't want it to be mm -hmm. so i would just say check your relevancy and and how will you become more relevant to the world if you want more money become more relevant to the world around you if you want more fame same if you want to be a better friend same if you want to be anything how do you bring your social and real stock as a person up and that's generally by being building relevancy man that was a hell of an answer that was good <laughs> i think people are going to appreciate that um, Bert, thanks so much for coming on the show. Where can, uh, where can people find you? Um, and what are you working on? Okay. Uh, they can find me on, uh, IG It's Bert Soren, B E R T S O R I N. Um, you could follow us on Sorenex on IG Sorenex outdoors. Uh, you might've seen Sorenex Squattober, Sorenex dead Sember. Those are some different things that we do. So that's all IG stuff. Um, you know, Sorenex.com. I mean, I'm kind of, when you're, when you own the business and kind of, like I said, if you're awake, you're working. So like the business and myself are kind of inextricably linked. So, uh, that's where I'm at. <laughs> I'm kind of, if I'm awake, I'm doing that stuff.
Great. Trying to work on myself, man. Trying to become more relevant and and, uh, clean up the rough edges. Yeah. Well, dude, I really appreciate you coming on the show. It was super nice to meet you, and I look forward to talking more in the future. Till then, we'll, uh, this is it for the show. Uh, thank you guys for listening, and Bert, we'll talk to you later. Thank you, Creed. I really appreciate you having me. Take care, guys. Later, guys. Man, what an episode. Bert is a super driven dude. I'm still stuck on him talking about be relevant. That has hit me so hard since I've had the pleasure of doing this interview. And I've been thinking about it every day. What can I do to stay relevant today? And it's been super encouraging. He's a super encouraging guy. And we're really lucky that we were able to get him on the show. Hopefully he'll come back. Um, We'll get to talk a little bit more. But anyway, thank you guys for listening so much. Um, Don't forget you can follow me everywhere on all social medias at Creed Kirkland. Um, Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. That would be very helpful. If you would like to come on this show, I would like to do an episode ever so often where I get to talk to one of the fans. And I think that would be really cool. I know that people have a lot to offer um, that aren't just in the public eye. So if you have something that you think you could offer, let me know. Reach out and shoot me a DM. You can shoot it to at uh, Creed Kirkland on Instagram, or you could shoot it to at The Goodbye Principle on Instagram. I'm okay with either of those. I will respond to you no matter what. So anyway, that's all I got for this week's episode. Can't wait to see you guys next week. Love you guys.